Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I am joined in my residential studio with my good friend and my co-host, Jason Zanger. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm good. How yeah, are we're you in today? your home studio. You actually have a real studio in your house. I know. We used to record here all the time. Yeah. We're at the infancy of making chips when we, were, when we were just novices and we didn't know anything about what a podcast was and we didn't know that it was going to bring us all this amazing success and celebrity, right? You, you, you <laughs> can take that celebrity. That's fine. And speaking of beginnings, guess what I did? What did you do, Jason? I deleted my Facebook account. So talk about the beginnings of social media. I said, enough of Facebook. Well, I'm done you with you. Because you couldn't handle it, right? No, it just it, it provided it, no value. Did it, there was it, nothing it there. You, it just, right? I would log in every once in a while. I'd have 75 alerts, and it was a waste of time. That's a little dramatic, it. 75 alerts. No, I mean, I'm oh. serious. I didn't go in there all the time. I'm not like okay. you where I went in five times a day okay. saying, who likes me today? I really don't care who likes me or does. I'm, I'm beyond that, but I'm just it, was it. it was a time suck. It was a time suck. And even when I got onto it, it just seemed like it was a bit of a distraction. And, well, and I was just kind of done with it. Well, is social media a distraction? Well, I think it can be. And I think that if you're on the right platforms, it can be effective. And that's one of the things that I want to learn about today. And we've got a guest where we're going to talk about the business social media platform, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. It's probably my favorite social media platform that I use for my business, for my professional side. And if people just realize that there are social media platforms for personal, which is really Facebook, and LinkedIn is the complete opposite of that, it is for your professional side. If people, Once people realize what the platforms are there for, I think they'll do a much better job about how to use it and articulate it. And right now, I'm actually reading a book called Digital Minimalism. So by by Cal Newport, it's kind of a hot book right now. I think it's actually a number one seller and it just came out literally just in the past, in this month. I want to learn how to really extract myself from being so digitally obsessed, but at the same time, I want to utilize the platforms like LinkedIn that could be beneficial to my career and my business. So that's what we're going to learn about today. But do you have anything great going on at Car Machine Tools? Yes, you're going to love this. Okay. So I met with an integrator of EOS. No, you did not. I met with an implementer. There you go. Yes, thank you. you know. Metalworking Nation, I'm always know, correcting Jim I Carr. I, I got I to I keep I him, you know. You got to have a dictionary up in, in front of me before me to do that. Yes, I met with an implementer. One of our good friends, Clark Neuhoff. Yes. And he happens to be my implementer also. He is. He's a great guy. I've known him for many, many years. And I've been exposed to the EOS process, the systematic process of running your business off of it. Yeah, we had a whole episode about that. Many. We've had yeah, many. I've gotten a lot of emails about it. about it, and I appreciate the emails coming in with people saying, yeah, I just got the book, and I read it, and I think this is awesome, and I have this question. I've been trying to answer people's questions as much as I can, but yeah, it's great. All right. So I have a distinct and legitimate leadership team now at Car Machine and Tools, so we met with Clark and talked to him, and our follow-up meeting with my leadership team at CAR is we're all... Are you sitting down? Mm-hmm. We're all going to read the book Traction, and we're going to get back. No, you won't. Yes, I will. I have to. I'm, I have to be accountable to my team. We're going to all do a chapter. 
I think you're going to cheat. I think you're going to cheat on the reading. We're going to do one chapter. We're going to talk that week. We're going to read another chapter and talk the next week. You're going to cut it back to one page. Guys, we're going to read one page this week, and then we're going to talk about it. (laughs) So I look forward to sharing with you my reading venture. And I look forward to hearing about your journey. Thank you. Thank so, you, you want to ask me what I have going on? No, I don't. I really don't care, quite frankly. No, seriously, what's going on at Zanger Black? So, the month of January was cold in Chicago. No, I mean, no kidding. I mean, we're talking. There was a couple days where my kids were canceled school. It was supposedly felt like fifty degrees below zero. For those friends of ours in the metalworking nation who are in California and Texas and places like that. I know you don't, you can't even comprehend that, but it was felt like 50 degrees below zero. It was, it it was was, awful. It was ridiculous. It was awful. But at my wife's company, Black Industrial Safety Supplies, they they actually sell a lot of cold weather supplies, shovels and salt and even safety supplies to be used outside to keep you warm, to keep you not falling on the ice. And they had a record sales month in in January. That's awesome. Since we've owned the company. So I'm very excited about that. Do you think it's strictly due to the extreme No, there was was just some other things going on. I guess my point is that we thought it was going to be because of the what we thought was going to be loss of days sales. In your case, if your people didn't make it in, loss of getting parts out the door. We just thought it was going to be kind of a bummer of a month and it ended up being one of the best months ever. That's awesome. Yeah. So we need to take it over to manufacturers. And yeah, now we well, have our actually, good friend. we have this is kind of part of our new segment and new structure. We're going to kick it over to Nick Golner. He's going to tell us about what's new at making chips and manufacturing news. Yeah. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thanks, guys. So I actually hope that we touch on cyberbullying because Jason has been making fun of my raspy voice. He's been talking about the weather. The weather affected me really bad. He's pretty much making it really tough for me to be this third wheel here. So um, he is. Maybe, it is maybe hard Wayne to be third wheel. Some light on that. He's really not nice. But sometimes. you do have a sweet beard. I know. I tell you that all the time. But. Thanks. Here's the other thing. We are doing much more than podcasting, and I think we've talked about that on a few previous episodes. Tell us, Nick. What are we doing? Well, we mentioned manufacturing news, but now we actually publish that on our site and we give our perspective on it. The other thing we do is we publish an original piece every week, written by one of us. And the other thing that we do is the chip-in contributor program. So we're allowing our guests to publish their insight to equip and inspire manufacturing leaders on making chips. Our guest today is actually one of the chip-in contributors. And he's going to write a post on how we shouldn't think of LinkedIn as a social media platform. We should think of it as the largest business database of manufacturing leaders that you've ever seen. Well, that's great because I don't want to be on social media, so I can still be on LinkedIn and say I'm not on social media, I guess. It's all about perspective. The other piece that I'm actually going to write is five lessons that I've learned in five years about social media. I think it was about five years ago that I really started getting involved using social media for my business, and my perspective has completely changed over those five years. And you're a young millennial, Nick, so you've lived the digital age more so than Jim and I. I was on the cusp of it, and Jim really is at the tail end of it. Well, I think I'm using it more than anybody in my demographic. I don't know how old Wayne is, but definitely I'm using it a lot more than a typical manufacturing boomer. And I think I'm kind of the opposite. So really? my generation's known for being totally connected and always on social media. And I'm one of those people who, ashamed to admit it as a marketing professional, but I'm not as active on social as I should be. So it's interesting that you brought up that book. Was it Digital Minimalism? Because uh, I actually just bookmarked that yesterday. I know it's important. I know it's a huge part of how we get the content out there, but I don't want to be on social media all the time. Yeah, well, what Digital Minimalism is about is it's about prioritizing, I think, the most important thing in your personal life. 
So this is going to be a great episode today. And before we get into that, let's talk about the manufacturing news. What do you got for us in manufacturing news, Nick? So today's article comes from LinkedIn Business. It's titled, These Industries Will Face the Biggest Talent Shortages by 2030. I bet manufacturing is mentioned in there. Yeah, manufacturing is the third point in the article. We're not going to focus on any of the other industries, but I'll just give you the gist. 7.9 million people will be short 7.9 million people by 2030. Right now, we're short about 2 million workers by 2020, which is next year. The resulting loss in revenue may be as high as $607.1 billion. They attribute it to talent shortages among the millennials and Generation Z. Companies may also want to focus on upskilling these young employees through apprenticeships and workforce training programs, something that we cover a lot on uh, making chips. So. so what was that first stat that you read off, Nick, about in 2030? Yeah, by 2030, they're expecting a 7.9 million people deficit in the manufacturing. You know, I, I hate when I hear that 10-year vision. Well, actually, that's an 11-year vision, but it seems so lofty to predict what's going to happen. I mean, business is changing so quickly. I don't know how they can even predict something like that 11 years out. The way things, the way technology is changing the way we do business, I don't even know how they can think about what's going to happen in 2030 right now. I mean, let's just talk about what's going to happen in the next 24 to 36 months. Well, and if we do what we're hoping to do, we're going to change that trend. People like Titan Gilroy, people like Making Chips, we're hoping to change that trend so that we're telling a different story by the time 2030. Yeah, and we are around. equipping and inspiring the next generation to get involved in an industry like manufacturing that is cutting edge and it's clean and it's exciting and it's fun and it really uses your creativity and your math skills and all the kind of stuff that somebody would want in a career. Yeah, but it still kind of bugs me that people don't yet understand our business and can't relate and really don't know. They're still thinking old school. When is the shift going to happen? I mean, we've been talking about this now for five, six, ten years. Well, instead of being bugged, we're doing our part to create a paradigm shift among manufacturing leaders. We all know that manufacturing is awesome. We know it's clean, but when are we going to extract all this bad karma around the industry. It's not my grandfather's machine shop anymore. Come on. Well, I, mean, I, don't, I don't believe in karma, but what I do believe in is that you could do something about it in order to create awareness. And all of us here at Making Chips, we're trying to do those things in order to create awareness about the industry, what it's all about. And I think there's a lot of our other peers that are doing that same thing. I mean, you mentioned Titan Gilroy. He was also on a panel discussion with Tony Neary, who's, who's also trying to do that same thing. I think it's starting to gain steam but we need the younger generation out there. I mean, who's our new friend from Manufacturing Solutions? He's starting to do that same thing too, talking about his startup career. Yeah, we're really excited about Brandon Kane. He's just got a great story. It sounds very similar nice, to young him. kid. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't call him a kid. He owns his own machining business now. But yeah, he's he's a manufacturing leader, even yeah. though he's only twenty three. We do have these people in this industry that are trying to change the industry, trying to change the awareness. And Jim, you need to be there to try to equip those people in order to build more awareness of manufacturing. Yeah, I'm there, man. I'm there. Yeah, so just to kind of put a bow on it before we move into the episode, you can find the What chip- color bow are we going to put on it? I think it's going to be like well, bluish green, like oh, making chips. Turquoise. There you go. Love it. chips, turquoise. It just had to turquoise, ask that question. that's the word. Okay. Just to let everyone know how they can get the chip-in contribution, how they can get the original article, where they can find the latest manufacturing news, go ahead and subscribe on makingchips.com.
Great. Thank you, Nick. Well, why don't we go on to the episode, which we're going to talk about how to have LinkedIn success without becoming social media obsessed. And this really hits home with me because as I mentioned before, I'm not like somebody who's interested in being in the spotlight all the time. I really like to kick back and be more introverted. But at the same time, I also feel like there's a place for LinkedIn. I almost feel like if I'm not on LinkedIn, I don't exist as a, as a business owner and as a business leader. So I'm going to learn something today here, and I'm excited to introduce our guest, who is Wayne Breitbarth. He is the owner of Power Formula. He is a LinkedIn trainer, speaker, and consultant, and is the author of Power Formula for LinkedIn Success, which I have in front of me right now. He is a LinkedIn expert, and he is going to teach me and the Metalworking Nation how to really be successful in LinkedIn without being obsessed with it. So Wayne, welcome to Making Chips. Thanks, Jason. It's great to be on. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to to our time together. Yes. Welcome, Wayne. Thanks. Yes. I look forward to it. I've got a lot of questions for you. So Wayne, when I go to my LinkedIn profile, a couple of years ago, I did spend some time trying to get my LinkedIn profile to look good. And when I go onto LinkedIn, it says I'm an all-star. And I appreciate the pat on the back from LinkedIn, but really I don't feel, and I've got two to 3,000 connections, but I actually don't feel like an all-star. I feel like I don't put a lot of time into LinkedIn. Let's start with the why. Why in general should I care about LinkedIn? Because it's the largest database of business professionals we've ever had. And that's, I think, the paradigm shift that should be different in people's minds about LinkedIn that instead of a social media site, which has the connotation sort of like you said, and I'm ready to cut out Facebook too. I'm sort of with you on that. This is different. And it's different because of the database of all of these resumes on steroids profiles. And the fact that we can find people because of keywords and where they went to school and what degrees and what software they run, that kind of data that we can grab the people we need for free I mean, hello. So that's that's the thing is the all star thing is a joke. Okay, so don't, are you calling me a joke, Wayne? No, the okay. all star the, the fact that LinkedIn calls people all stars that means you've done about four or five out of probably the hundred things that Wayne Breitbart would use to call you an all star. Well, I guess four out of five <laughs> is not bad. Or not bad. It's a good start. But the bottom line is most people struggle with LinkedIn because they haven't defined what it is they think this beautiful database can do for them and their business. So what are the top things that LinkedIn as a database can do for you? So if you look at LinkedIn, it could be a couple things. It could be a way for you to stay connected to a community. It could be a place for you to post your resume. It could be a place for you to send emails to potential clients. What else is LinkedIn all about? What has to be the why behind why people want to be on LinkedIn? Yeah, so I like to think of it a little more strategic than the things you just mentioned, right? Great. I like to step up to who do you need to meet more of, okay? So that could be customers, that could be vendors and suppliers, that could be employees, that could be influencers of your customers, right? So it's a people database. So who do you, what people are you short? Like you talked earlier in this episode about the shortage of workers. Yeah. So I, Wayne, to be quite honest, I'm short. I need to hire people. I need to connect with more clients. I need to connect with the metalworking nation and I need to connect with my suppliers. So I actually fill all of those buckets that you talked about. So I need all of them. So now in order to turn it into something where you go, you know what, this is worth the time. You got to take that knowledge of these are my strategies, these are what I need more of, and then set in a couple of procedures and pieces of the LinkedIn feature that work for you and do them routinely. 
my immediate need right now is I have several open positions that I need to hire for. And one of the fears that I have is I can go the traditional routes of trying to find somebody, but I feel like if I, even though I'm a quote-unquote all-star and I do get some engagement, I feel like I'm kind of throwing words out into the air and, and I'm not getting a whole lot of engagement. So how do I, if my why behind why I'm on LinkedIn is to engage with more potential people that could be on my team, how do I make sure that what I'm doing is worthwhile, that it's a good use of my time, that I'm really engaging with those people that I want to engage with? So it sounds like what you're attempting to do is post that you have an opening. Right. Right? Okay. That's a technique. I'd call that technique number five out of five, probably, in effectiveness. I think the most effective thing you can do for finding employees is search for those employees. Okay. And one individually. Individually. Or by title. That's right. It's by category of, it's really title. the persona. What's the persona, right? They use it in a marketing term. Yes, they do. What words are defined on their profile that you can search for? Them, can you right? give us, can you give us sure. some ideas of what those look yeah. like? Just so, start rambling so it, them off. It could be things like software. It could be things like CNC machines, right? Now, Blue collar workers, I would say, are slowly coming yeah, to I mean, the right. LinkedIn game. For an they entry are. Level they're there. So what? they're slowly coming to the LinkedIn game. A month ago, I did a class up at MATC in Milwaukee for the welders. They were going to graduate soon. The welding professor said, hey, we need you because That's I think cool. this is important. That's cool. And here were these guys, a couple of gals in the room, actually. And I showed them how to set up a profile with keywords like CNC because that's what you're going to use to find them. What okay? if I just need to find somebody to work in my warehouse? So what, what I think about when you get to, let's call it a starting position. An entry-level right? position, sure. Think about this. Who works for organizations that they're not going to be appreciated and don't have the career path, and they're probably really good? Like, go to a restaurant. Think about a restaurant. I mean, I had a friend of mine, a car dealership, who was looking for people that were service advisors. And I said, why don't you go after people that work at Best Buy? Enterprise Rent-A-Car? Because those are great people who have been trained well, but the career might be a little bit short. Yeah, right? you're starting to make a mean paradigm longevity. shift. You're starting to make a paradigm shift in my mind as to how I can utilize this database. I never even thought about it from that perspective. So I appreciate that. What about for something really niche? For example, we're facing this problem right now at Advanced Machine. We are trying to find a business development leader for a niche machine tool that we make. It's a carbide saw system. So you know what I would do with that one? Think about your competitors. The first three people- oh, Start searching for their company names. The three, first three people I hired when I was in the office furniture business were where I went directly at people that worked at my competitors. Now, in the old days, it would say, well, you can't do that. That's not how businesses run because you know we've got this business oath that we're not going to do whatever, right? Hey, recruiters do it every day of the week and we pay them to do it. Right? So why do we need to pay them to do it when now we have the database that the recruiters are using and you can search by those companies and go, oh my gosh, it's like I walked up to the organization and went up to the reception and said, hi, I'm Wayne Breitbart. Oh, and who are you here to see? I'm just here to walk around this department and just meet your folks. You work for a competitor. Are you nuts? No, I'm not nuts. I'm just going to do it virtually if it's okay with you. And that's basically what you're doing. That's great. I love that description. You really, you're putting some of these visuals in my head that I'm, that I'm really enjoying. So I'm getting it. And how much time do I need to spend in order to make this experience the most effective I can? So it depends what your burning issues are. If your burning issues are you're looking for people, you may have to spend 
an hour a week doing your searches. And you may, some of that hour will be not just spent searching, but once that beautiful list comes up, guess what LinkedIn shows you? Probably find some friends that know these folks because of the industry you're in, right? People know people. And that's when you reach out to your friend and say, hey, I see you know Jason. Oh, I do. What's up? Well, we've got an opening. I think he'd be perfect for it. How are you feeling about his job these days? You're his friend. I don't know. That's great. Spend a little time with your friend, right? And your friend will go, you're wasting your time. He just loves it there. Or say, he's always complaining. You reach out to him. And what you just described, that's one of the best places that we've found to recruit people for our team in a more personal standpoint. So there's no reason why you can't mine that data digitally ahead of time. So I love that. And to me, that's the essence of LinkedIn is not just the database itself, but showing those relationships. Because isn't that what life's always been about? Is if you it's knew all about relationships. If you, yeah, and if you knew who your friends knew, but before LinkedIn, we didn't. If you knew who your friends knew, you'd say, this is an unbelievable tool. And that was my aha moment. When I went from this is, I'm not doing it, it's stupid, to this is a powerful business tool is when I said, oh my goodness, I can see who my friends know. Could never do that before. I have a lot of friends. I'm 61 years old. I got a lot of friends, right? And I got a lot of friends that could lead me to more friends. And before LinkedIn, I could have played golf with a guy a week of Sundays and said, I can't believe you didn't tell me you know this guy. Well, I don't know who you need to know, Wayne. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've run into, Wayne, is I've got two to 3,000 connections. I'm sure you've got thousands. I know Jim's got thousands. Nick's got, like I think, 100 or 200 connections. This is the cyberbullying. I was talking about it. <laughs> I have way more than 100, Jason. I don't know those two to 3,000 people, to be totally honest. And I know Jim doesn't know all the people that he's connected with. So how do you balance that? Because if somebody comes to me, and it's happened before, and they'll say, you know, hey, do you know so-and-so? I'm like, I really don't. So you don't have to balance it, Jason. You handle it just like you're saying now. I mean, I think about what you guys' business is. You've got your businesses. Then you need to know people really well to do whatever. But then you got this thing making chips, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're trying to draw a great big audience. And I love hearing right? from the audience. I really do. And, and so the point is your LinkedIn profile is a little bit like mine used to be when I was in office furniture and I was doing LinkedIn. The LinkedIn part was broad because I could sell a book to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But the office furniture thing was tighter. Niche. Well, you've got the network can serve you both for both reasons, right? So you don't think that you can't, it's it's different strategies underneath both those things. And don't worry about having 2,000, but the 2,000 will pay off great when you're trying to post the latest podcast episode and hoping to hit as many people as you can with the crazy LinkedIn algorithm for posting these days, not being in your favor, but bigger is better. Right. Okay. But when you're targeting that employee, we're just talking about up comes the list. Well, once in a while, you're going to call your friend and they're going to go, Jason who? That's okay. Nobody's ever said Jason Zanger who. (laughs) So the point is just be ready to tell your friends, listen, I have a big network. Some of the people I know, like my best friends, some of the people I'll have to tell you, they might've seen me speak and they connected with me and they're manufacturing them and I'm going to connect with them. It won't disappoint your friends that often. They'll say, I understand you've got two types of networks. It's okay. Okay. I've been a little bit quiet because I just was trying to craft some great ideas. I've been writing. So nice, Jim. Yeah. I know you appreciate that, Jason, but. Wayne, first of all, again, thanks for coming. There's so many things I want to ask you, and I've been writing quite a bit down while you've been engaging with Jason and Nick. First of all, I use LinkedIn to create brand awareness around A, my manufacturing company, and B, around my manufacturing podcast. I think I've learned the secret sauce about doing that, but since this is a very basic conversation we're having, let's start with, is more more in social media? Is it better to have 
10,000 LinkedIn connections that you don't know 75% of those people? Or is it more important to have 2,500 and know 90% of those people? And I think even along those same lines, Jim, is it better to post every day or is it better to post just once a week? Well, I think that's another question. It is another question, but it it goes to that is more, more. I'm just talking about connection. Is more connections more? In general, the search algorithm loves more. Right. Okay? Because it loves more connections. It, it loves, loves more it, posts. It, it, well, let's just We're keep just posting to the side for a second. Yeah, okay. right? Because post is an odd situation where people think they're going to get these great results. And yep. we'll talk about that. Right. But when it comes to the network itself, the search engine algorithm, at least the way it's configured today, of course it can change. But in general, over the years, it's been more is better. Now, more is really better when the more is people in the space you want to occupy. So in manufacturing, if I'm connected to a plethora of manufacturers, that would be better for me. No question. Okay, good. Because it makes me, my brand awareness as the thought leader in the industry, more viable, right? Bingo. Okay, got it. That's what I thought, and I wanted confirmation on that. So that's what I've been using my LinkedIn profile for. There's a couple of questions I have about having a business profile and a personal profile. So we know with personal profiles, it's all about being connected. You have to send a LinkedIn request to be connected or, or somebody has to send a LinkedIn connection to be requested from you. That's one aspect of being connected. Then we have our business profile pages on LinkedIn, which is Car Machine and Tool, which is making chips. And those are just followers of those particular LinkedIn pages. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Is there any strategy to utilize tagging of the business pages in my personal profile? Like when I talk about making chips, my LinkedIn connections are 5,000 people. So I've got a huge network of manufacturing people that I'm connected to on LinkedIn. But I want to bring them into Making Chips podcast, which is manufacturing-centric. So when I post, I always post on Jim Carr, and I always say, well, last week, Jason, I tagged Jason, and I recorded this episode about hashtag manufacturing leaders on making chips, and I tag the page. So what is the strategy behind doing that? What am I actually getting? What is the ROI on that? If you're going to spend the time posting your own content or sharing and liking other people's content, a best practice is to do what you're doing, using the tags, using the hashtags. And here's why we have to use the the tags bring other people into the post, don't they? They absolutely now, do. Here's the key. What Jason should do when you tag him is he has to come in, he has to like your post, make a comment, and maybe even tag you back with, you're welcome, Jim. Yep, which I I totally Which I typically do that. And make sure the Jim is a tag. So think about that. If you just read it and go, that's nice. But if you go go in there like, that's an interaction. A comment is an interaction. A tag is an interaction. And maybe even you swoop back, Jim, and say, oh, you're welcome. I really enjoyed this episode. Boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, it's keeping track. See, what happens with the posting is this. LinkedIn has shared with us how the algorithm works. And nobody likes the answer to what they shared. It's this. When you share 
It's a tranche, a small tranche of your two, two or three thousand. Receive that in their feed. It tests that tranche and says, is anybody interested in this thing? If it does nothing, guess what? The it rest of your network off. will never see it. Yeah. If it gets some activity, like we're talking about right, right. here, another tranche will get it tomorrow yeah. and it's tracking both tranches. Oh boy, people got involved in even the second tranche. Now, guess what? Three weeks later, the final group of your network finally might see that post and they'll make comments. You go, three weeks? Where you been, dude? Well, he just got it. He got right. it because of the testing, but at least it made it to your whole network. Yep, exactly. So the real key on content sharing on LinkedIn is you need activity. You got to instigate the activity on the post. But you know what's even a better technique? What's a that? better technique is for you to take, let's say, a podcast episode, and you've got 15 or 20 targets of who people you'd like to talk to. They're in your network. You've maybe met them at an event or whatever, but you haven't really had that meaningful conversation. Why not direct message a podcast episode right in their inbox and say, I thought of you the other day as we finished up this podcast. Here's a link to review it. We cover these following things. If you ever want to sit down and have that chat with it, we've never got around to having since we connected two years ago. Let's do it. Think I think about that's that. a great idea. That went in yeah. their inbox. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Most people out there don't have a podcast though, but even if it's a post, they're just writing about a subject matter that they're familiar with and that they can add value to. There is something to be said about sending that direct message with that post. I mean, let's face it. It goes in their inbox they do have to do something. In the feed, right. well, they're, they're getting a notification. Yeah, they get, it's they get a notification. Everyone's gonna... always curious about what that notification is. Think about this. It's like an in-mail. For people who don't know, this, this is a beginner conversation. Right. In-mail is when you can send a message to somebody you're not connected to, but you have to pay for those. Right. But this is free because you're already connected to the person. And when people get, we don't get many messages on LinkedIn, really. Our email's busier than whatever. And we get notified in our email that we got a message over on LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. it goes into two inboxes, yep. one that's not very busy. And that person's probably going to clear out that inbox on LinkedIn because they go, well, I don't have anything in there. I'm keeping that one clean. Over here, I got a big mess on my hands. <laughs> Regular email. So the point is this. When you post, it's hit or miss what you're going to get because who's going to read the feed and maybe, maybe or may not see it today, right? But the direct message is the home run. I kind of disagree with that, okay. but maybe you can enlighten me on this. But I want to go back to the engagement and how the algorithms work. This is my strategy when I post on LinkedIn. Let's say I post at 9 a.m. on Thursday morning, and I start getting engagement. People start asking questions, like I might show that I just got a new piece of equipment, a car machine, and tool. And then people start asking. I purposely don't show the name of the machine because I want to engage conversation with them. I want people to ask me. I hold off waiting to answer the question at least 24 to 36 hours later because I want it to refresh itself because I know every time that I answer a question or there's engagement on my end, it's going to be refreshed and it's going to bring to the top of the newsfeed again, right? On the current algorithm, you're making a mistake. That's why you're here, Wayne. Thank you for telling me this. LinkedIn in that same article where they talked about these tranches, they talk about velocity. How soon you want to hit the velocity? How when it's soon do the people engage so that they can start giving some traction scores to decide whether tomorrow another tranche gets it? So you're saying the faster you can answer that question with engagement, the better you are, the more velocity you're going to get because you want to keep ranking high on the feed, right? You want to keep that fire building, and, and, not right. let and, it and die. You want out. the views, yeah. and it's I've all never, about views. And I've never heard that there's this sort of daily refresh. 
that you're talking of. So I'm a little no, no, no. Confused. What I what I mean is when I comment on my own post. It's going to go to the top of my newsfeed that Jim Carr just posted this. Jim Carr just said this, right? That's the so, top of your newsfeed, but not mine. But if we're connected, is getting, isn't, aren't I going to getting, show up? Mine, it's not going to show up. Mine is getting scored by the algorithm. Okay. Yours, they put it on the top because you just posted it. It's your feed. They're going to let you see what it looks like. But it's not showing up at the top of all my connections news feeds. No way. I never knew that. No way. See, I never knew that. And it's because of these tranches and the algorithm. And think what happened. And probably, Jim, where you're confused is when we first started on LinkedIn, maybe the first five, six years, there was no advertising. Yeah. There's no sponsored updates. They had nothing to put in the feed. And so they would- Just grab at anything they can get. And they would hit your friends every time. Hey, this is Jason. How are you doing? Did you see I just posted today? Read it. Oh, yeah, there it is. Now they can go, I don't see it. Well, you're not in the first tranche. Okay, so let's talk about another technique, which in my eyes, I don't think it's a great technique. I think it's a little bit of an annoyance, but you could tell me whether it's actually something that is effective because sometimes the most annoying tactics sometimes are effective. It's the reason people send junk mail in the mail because it actually creates dividends. So I've seen a lot of people out there, well, they'll create a post and they'll tag 10 people, 20 people, 30 people. Sometimes a lot of those people work for their same company, but they're tagging a bunch of people in their post and try to get them to engage in whatever that conversation that is. That is a great question. And then, and then I, was the, I had that written down to ask Wayne. Good. And then there's also a second a follow-up to that, which I've also seen other people where they don't really have a lot to say, but they'll jump onto everybody's posts and say, that's great, or so insightful, or just something that is a little bit vacuous. Are those really effective techniques in order to boost your LinkedIn credibility? To increase the exposure of that post. Credibility is another question. Maybe you got a crappy profile, right? But that post will do much better by that technique and the second technique is after you list the people that you want to engage. And, and don't like just Like listing the, them right in the post? Here's what I do. Put up a nice article and then say, be sure to share this with your clients who would be interested in our new machine. At, 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 at. That and, way and you put those people way, right in I there. I feel offended when people do that to I, me, I, yeah. I really feel but, offended but, because I feel like they're just sucking off my connections. So the point is this. You should have a group of people that you say, we're doing this. So there's no, you're not offended then. You're saying the algorithm works this way and we're going to work together to have this post do better than just post and pray. Post and pray does not work. I love that post and pray. So the technique of using names and tagging with a fluid kind of, I hope you share this with your clients. They will find it useful at, 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 and then hit a return on the keyboard and then add some hashtags. Hashtags are the second part that are starting to grow on LinkedIn. We're starting to get better with them. But those two, if you don't do either of those things, good luck. So to speak on that tagging everyone tactic, there's some pretty popular businesses in our industry who are kind of known for tagging a lot of people. A lot. 20, 30 people. Yeah, it's quite frankly, I think it's very offensive. And so it's not my favorite tactic either, but I got some insight this week. Someone that I work with was with them in their area. And he said, out of the opportunities that you've gotten this week, how many came from LinkedIn? Seven out of 10. I totally believe that because they've got a very strong, they're doing something right on the network. Well, think about this. If you make a comment on a post that you've been tagged in, then that person who made the comment is going to get notified that somebody else made another comment on a post that you commented or tagged on. So if you look at a post and you go, oh my goodness, there's 500 people that have made comments on this. It's in the manufacturing space. 
I got to get my time in this post. And you jump in there and make a comment. There's a good chance that 500 people have been pinged in their inbox that Jim Carr just showed up and said something. And as long as it's something smart and informational and helpful, you just showed up as an expert. As long as, wait, as long as it's not vacuous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's kind of change gears here a little bit. If someone from the Metalworking Nation is completely a beginner and they don't even have a profile at all or they haven't gone on LinkedIn in, in a year and they say to themselves, you know, I need to get involved in LinkedIn. I need to do all those things and get engaged in the manner that you talked about and use LinkedIn as that database that it has been created for. How should they get started? What are the basics? Tell me how to guide somebody like that. So let's make sure that the things we've discussed so far are fairly advanced techniques. And when we use these techniques with people who are not overly educated on LinkedIn, their eyes start to roll in the back of their heads and they go, oh God, please, right? I'm lost. I don't want people to be blown away to think that the only way you're going to get results is to understand all these fairly advanced techniques. So let's go back to what's the basis of LinkedIn and how you get started. It starts with a really good profile. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? The, the overarching strategy in your profile starts with this. Who are you writing the profile for? Right. So for me, one of the things that I, I see as one of the most important things in your profile is your title. I think you call it like the 10 second bumper sticker. I write it for the metalworking nation, for people that are listening to making chips and also for people that are potential clients of Zengers. So mine says strengthening manufacturing, makingchips.com, MRO and metalworking products, vending and integration. So it kind of talks a couple bullet points about the things that we do for the manufacturing industry because I have making chips and then I also have Zengers Industrial where we sell cutting tools and tooling and stuff like that. Is that a good title or is there some ways that I can make improvements there? So let's make sure that the audience understands that's your headline, not your title. Okay, thank okay? you. The headline is a critical spot. I like your headline. Okay. I think your headline clearly says those are the things you're involved in. I think it's perfect. And I think headlines should be, think about it. It's called a headline. It's called a headline, like a newspaper <laughs> Headlines headline, right? meant to be a short thing of, this is what I do. If you like this, keep reading, okay? Right. And I think yours does that. So headlines are critically important. Most people are, make the mistake of keeping the default headline that LinkedIn shoves up there. Which is like title, vice president which is, of, Which, you which know, is your whatever. title and your company yeah. name. Yeah. LinkedIn doesn't want you to embarrass yourself with nothing. So it grabs the information from down below, current company, current title, throws it up there and says, please wake up and do something better than this like you have. That's a good point because we all have two jobs. We all are manufacturing leaders and then we all work with making chips and I kind of tailored my profile to just making chips because I didn't want it to be confusing. Which one is this for? Well, you're not the only one with two jobs. There's so many of us out there that have multiple jobs slash revenues slash... Yeah, yours says LinkedIn yeah, trainer, speaker, and right. consultant. Awful. I it's use my headline for every revenue source I have so that people know I'm the LinkedIn guy, but these are the way I make my money so I can help you in these spaces, right? So you should be sharing, Nick some of the thing about your regular company too, right? Yeah, I'm going to make that change today. And, and that's okay. And you should have two job entries, of course. But the bottom line is when it comes to a good profile, written for your target audience, most are not. Most look like the last time you did it was when you were got fired or looking for work. That's a huge mistake. And then 
the sub-strategies under that are you've got to understand how the search engine works and have be able to work with the keywords. And then secondly, you got to make sure that the stories are so interesting to your target audience. Show why you're better than everybody else. Have some calls to action. Give them your contact information. You're talking about the posts that you make. No, I'm talking the about stories. your profile. I'm talking oh, about your profile. Oh, the story. Okay. I'm okay. talking about the what stories are the, What are the profile? stories in your profile? They're everywhere. Think about this. Your main job entry whatever you're doing mainly, or if you got two, then it's two, right? It ought to talk to your audience. How should it talk to your audience? What's your audience's pain points? Mine reads, to be quite honest, mine is not good. Mine reads more like a resume. And I need to change that so that my audience really understands who I am, what I do, the story that I play a part in in their lives, and how I can help them in their business and their careers. So let's move on to another topic. What about recommendations? Are recommendations still valid? Should you search for them? Should you ask for them? Do they mean anything? And let's make sure we're clear on this Definition. Recommendations or endorsements, which are you yes. speaking yes. of? Yes. Why don't you define both? And, okay, and good. So endorsements are simply a little tick mark. Oh, those are the ones where Jason I, Zenger is good as a visionary, right. something like that. Those, those little tick marks and having the right kinds of keywords in that skill section, which is called skills and endorsements. The search engine loves that section, okay? And it loves people who have lots of endorsements for this keyword that somebody's looking for you for. Yeah, okay. so my, my number one endorsement is strategy and then manufacturing, program management, product development, competitive analysis. Strategy is probably like the number one. Strategy number and strategy is not helping you, Jason. Okay. Who's gonna, I, it needs to be more specific. It should be very specific to manufacturing. It should be podcast host. Okay. That's what it should be. Should be like industrial supplies. Right. Should I be changing those then? You, yeah, you should either be changing or get rid of them. Okay. I mean, the bottom Great. line That's is good advice. when it comes to the search engine of LinkedIn, it, you should have the words in there that people are going to Google your company for or Google LinkedIn search. On Google or Google within LinkedIn? Both. Okay. Same words. Aren't they the same words, Jim? They are. And I have noticed that when I do do a native Google search that a lot of LinkedIn profiles come exactly. up in the search. So isn't that a so beautiful the thing? So Google is searching through LinkedIn and the, the feelers are going through the Big LinkedIn. Big time. Yep. I mean, I had one point when I was on that office furniture dealership where if you Googled office, Googled office furniture Milwaukee, I came up higher than our company website. That's awesome. And it's because I knew where to put the words, right? Right, right. Tell us, what's the value of recommendations? Should I be asking for them? Do they really make a difference? I've got a couple recommendations here. I've got two recommendations. I think it's just trying to... Don't most people on their website have a section? Like a testimonial. Right. So if they're good there, why aren't they good on your LinkedIn profile? Okay. But how relevant are they, Wayne? How relevant are the ones on your website? I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> you ask I don't know. for them. You ask for them the same way. Some people, I don't even ask for them. Sometimes people just automatically write even them. Even better, me. right? Yeah. Even better. I have to accept that. So, I, it won't automatically so post. So here's the thing on the recommendations are they make or break? No. No. Would I go charge out and get a whole bunch of them? Probably not. Do I use those recommendations when I sit down and do every proposal for a speaking engagement or a corporate event that I do? I scroll through my recommendations and I close every proposal with specific cut and paste from my LinkedIn with people that look like the person I'm trying to do the work for. I close my proposal with this. In closing, I thought I would share with you a couple of recommendations from some of my past manufacturing clients who hired me to help their sales team sell more stuff on LinkedIn. 
cut and paste, cut and paste, cut and paste. So you just copy and paste it yeah. right out of the LinkedIn recommendations into your proposals? Exactly. Oh, interesting. Why not? Why not? It's legit. It's legit. It's, right. it's your inventory. You can do what you want with right. it. Those people, and those they people gave don't them, mind They it. gave them yeah, to they you. They gave it to you. You don't have to ask for permission. And they love having the exposure, most people. Sure. I like that. That's a strategy. It's a winning strategy. Yeah. So Wayne... What would be your closing thoughts as far as somebody who's new to LinkedIn, they want to get started or they really want to amp up their their LinkedIn experience? What would be your call to action to the metalworking nation? Oh, well, you go to Amazon and buy my book. Okay, <laughs> so that would be a good one. <laughs> you asked, man. I'm going to throw that in. Hey, hey, no, touche, you yeah. know what it is? It's go on LinkedIn. And if you're not currently on because you're investigating, you're, use your kid's account. Go look for people in your industry and see how they show themselves up, right? See if you're missing anything. See if you're getting looked at and going, well, where the heck is he? Or if you got your crappy profile, you go, well, I'm just as crappy as everybody else. Okay, then maybe it's not as imperative that you get going. But if I'm telling you, most industries you'll find, oh my gosh, these guys are looking a lot better than me. So I would start there. I'd start with, what do your competitors have up? How do they look on their company page, their personal profile? How do their sales folks look? So do a little competitive analysis. And you can do all of that without them knowing you were there because you can change your setting to, I'm looking at you, but you don't know I'm here. That's good advice. So Metalworking Nation, your first call to action is do some competitive analysis on LinkedIn. If you're new to LinkedIn, just get out there and see what your competition is doing because they could be engaging in LinkedIn big time. They could be getting seven out of 10 of their new leads from LinkedIn and you're missing out. And I know that there's a lot of people in the manufacturing industry that are really engaged in LinkedIn and they're doing it because like Jim said, it's reaping rewards for them. So Wayne, thank you for being on the show. We're going to have you stick around and we're going to talk about some advanced techniques. Jim's going to oh, lead I got that, tons of questions. That, that conversation. Lots. Way more than another podcast episode, but we'll I'll try and truncate it down and, and get the high notes. You are very successful at LinkedIn, Jim, and I can't wait to hear about all the advanced techniques on LinkedIn, and I'm going to amp up my profile. And so Metalworking Nation, go to makingships.com slash LinkedIn, and you can get more resources in order to connect with Wayne. You can get a link to his book, and you can see what we have to offer from Making Chips on our LinkedIn profile. And please, if you have gotten value from Making Chips, please leave a review on iTunes and let us know what we're doing well, what you'd like to hear more of, and give us a five-star review. Because if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The Metalworking Nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time. Just so you guys know, I both endorsed you for vocabulary. Thank you. Sweet. Thank you. Because you have a plethora of great words. And I don't have an MBA like Jason does. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, you, you come from the, uh, um, uh, the school of hard knocks, right? You betcha, man.